Let us pray. Our most eternal and everlasting Father, we are grateful that you are awesome God, majestic in all your ways. We thank you for being such a faithful Father. This morning we have gathered together in obedience to your instruction that we should do so, especially as we see the evil days draw near. We know we are in tumultuous times. At the same time, we know that underneath are the everlasting arms that sustain us. So, Father, we are thankful for this group of believers that you have assembled for your purpose, and we pray that you continue to manifest yourself in ways that cannot be described. We also pray for those who are members of this body who are seriously facing all kinds of problems, health problems. We know that you have the power to heal, and so we request that you do so in order to bring glory and honor to you. And we request that as we begin our study this morning, that God, the Holy Spirit, the perfect communicator, will enable us to hear precisely what you have for us this morning. This is a request in Christ's name. Amen. We're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. First Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. It reads, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Now recall the message of this section of 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 4 that we have been uh, considering is that you should under the right spiritual leadership enjoy God's blessings through Jesus Christ. Also recall, we say that at the introduction of the section that each exposition will focus on three blessings a believer should enjoy in this planet through Jesus Christ in keeping with the blessings of Israel in the desert. The first blessing of Israel in the desert under the leadership of Moses, consists of God's presence with them, evident in his guidance and protection. The second consists of God's deliverance of Israel as they crossed the Red Sea in a dry land because the Lord parted the Red Sea to enable them to cross. Now, we did not, uh, did not immediately consider the third blessing because... We argued in our last study, the Holy Spirit wanted us to recognize the importance of right spiritual leadership so that he directed Apostle Paul to reference Moses before dealing with the third blessing. As we also indicated that uh, uh, he 
wanted us to be sure that we understand this importance of spiritual leadership. So that verse 2 primarily was used to convey to us the importance of spiritual leadership. Furthermore, he was uh, introduced to warn us that Moses himself was introduced to warn us against not following God's instruction strictly the way it is given uh, because Moses did not enter the land of Canaan because of his failure of acting in a way that did not show that God is devoted to Israel or show him to be holy. Of course, we also indicated that he was introduced, Moses, to remind us the necessity of faithfulness and humility in the spiritual life. Now, following the introduction of Moses, the apostle The apostle continued then with the third blessing of Israel. It is with this third blessing that we begin our study this morning. The third blessing of Israel in the desert under the leadership of Moses is that of continual sustenance by the Lord. Continual sustenance by the Lord. Now this sustenance is described first in terms of food in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3 when it said they all eat the same spiritual food. Now the phrase they all here refers to the people that left Egypt under Moses' leadership. As we mentioned previously, that will include the non-Hebrew people that accompanied the Israelites as they left Egypt. Though the phrase they all makes no distinction between Israel or Hebrew people and non-Hebrew people. So everyone traveling under the leadership of Moses ate the same spiritual food. Now really what does apostle mean in the phrase spiritual food? What does that mean? Now to answer this question we need to consider two words using the phrase. The adjective spiritual is not to be understood merely as referring to the immaterial. Now this is because the word is translated from a Greek word that has to do with divine spirits, with the meaning spiritual. And so it is used for impersonal things. For example, it is used about song believers are to sing in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19. It reads, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Likewise, the Greek word is used to refer to wisdom, 
that the Holy Spirit gives in Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. I mean verse 9. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. It is for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now the word is use of a person guided by the Holy Spirit. And so we have that use in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. It is. Brothers. If someone is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual. Should restore him gently. But watch yourself. Or you also may be tempted. So when the word is used with a, a definite article in the plural, it may mean spiritual things or, or spiritual matters. Now in our passage of 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2, it, it means spiritual in the sense of being characterized by the Holy Spirit. Characterized by the Holy Spirit. Hence there is a unique sense in which the word is used with food in the phrase, the same spiritual food. Now the word food is translated from a Greek word that literally means that which is eaten, that is called food, as the apostle used it to describe doctrine of demons that that were taught by some false teachers about food as stated in 1 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 3. First Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 3. It is, They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. Now the word may mean nourishment of a transcendent nature. Hence means, it can mean something like means of sustenance. Means of sustenance. Although it can also be mean uh, using the word food as the word really, it is used to convey during uh, Jesus' ministry on this planet, to convey that doing the will of the Father is to be taken as that which sustains him. In John chapter 4, verse 34. John chapter 4, verse 34. 
John chapter 4 verse 34. It reads, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now in our passage of 1 Corinthians 1 uh, chapter 10 verse 3, it is used in the literal sense of food as a source of nourishment. Now, having considered the words used in the phrase, the same spiritual food, we can now answer the question of what the apostle meant in the phrase, spiritual food that they all ate. Now, some think that uh, the apostle had in mind one of the elements of the Lord's Supper, since he referenced the Lord's Supper in verses 16 and 17 of this first Corinthians chapter 10. So some say it's referring to the elements of the Lord's Supper. Now it is possible but when the apostle used the phrase he was thinking of something specific that the Israelites ate in the desert. Therefore the phrase spiritual food must be a reference to the manna the Lord provided to Israel in the, in the desert that was introduced first in the record of Exodus chapter 16 verses 4 through 5. Exodus chapter 16 verses 4 through 5 and hold on to that chapter 16 I'll pick up a few more passages uh, verses from there Exodus chapter 16 verse 4 reads then the Lord said to Moses I will rain down bread from heaven for you the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Now this passage did not use the word manna to describe the food from heaven that God provided the Israelites. But... The name is derived from the Hebrew word the Israelites use in their question or response regarding the appearance of thin flakes like substance from heaven. As we read still in that Exodus chapter 16, look at verses 14 and 15. It reads, when the dew was gone, thin flecks like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Now the question, what is it, 
is actually translated from a Hebrew word, I mean, manhood. Manhood. Man, this is the word man, who, it's you. That's the best way to translate it in the English. Manhood. Manhood. Now, apparently, it is then from this question that the word manner is right. As, because they say, man who? Not us. What is it? Man who? And so from it, the word manner is then derived as it's then used in Exodus 16 that you have. Look at verses 31 and 32. Verse 31 reads, The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was like, it was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. So they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. Now manna was the food the Lord provided Israelites throughout their 40 years in the desert that he uh, terminated once they entered Canaan. That manna was provided for, 35, uh, for 40 years in the desert. Is stated still in that Exodus 16. Look at verse 35. Verse 35. Verse 35 says, or reads, The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. So the termination of manna after 40 years, once Israel entered Canaan, is confirmed in Joshua chapter 5 verse 12. Joshua Joshua chapter 5 verse 12. It is the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. So we should recognize that manna was indeed the source of food for Israel and that it was not a ready-made food like that the food the Lord fed prophet Elijah as narrated in 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 5 through 7. Now we, by the grace of God, you know, when it's the studies, we will deal with this Chapter 16 about manna, something about manna at the appropriate time. Meanwhile, we just make, make, uh, 
a reference because of what we are studying. It reads, Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Now, one of the things that uh, uh, I have in the past made uh, as a side comment that is beneficial is that if you, depending on the kind of work you do, you probably need to eat only twice a day. If you're not doing work where you're exhausting a lot of energy, just need to eat twice a day. And I base it from this passage. And there's something else that uh, if the Lord uh, permits at the right time, I will also show you that the quantity that you eat every time is biblical. And we're going to establish that we were still a long way from that in Exodus chapter 16. Anyway, so the Israelites made their food from the raw material the Lord provided in that they either baked or boiled the same flakes that they collected every day except on the Sabbath as in the instruction of the Lord to Moses or through Moses that stated still go back in Exodus 16 verse 23 Exodus Exodus chapter 16 verse 23 Reads, he said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So, bake you want what you want to bake. That's one way to cook this manna. He said, Bake what you want to bake. The second way is to boil what you want to boil. So, those are two options that they cooked bake, boil. Now, I'm not saying we should fry. That's a different story now, but, you know, that's, that also has a, a different application. Anyway, so here it says, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. Now, so the point we really seek to make, though, is that the Lord did not send a finished product called bread. But, a source from which the Israelites were to prepare their food in any way they wanted it. When I say any way they wanted it, they only had two choices. Bake or boil. That's all they had. Now why do I really make an issue of the point that the Lord did not give Israel a finished product that may be considered bread? You may ask, why am I making an issue of this? Well, it is because Apostle Paul described the food the Lord provided for Israel in the desert using that phrase of spiritual food. Spiritual food. Now the reason for this description 
is that the element for preparing Israel's food came directly from God. So that it is accurately described as spiritual in the sense of being associated directly with God or food that was provided in a supernatural manner. That's why it's described spiritual. It is true that the grains we use for cereal and uh, bread are from God. But he does not send them directly from heaven. Instead, it is through the process of growing such grain that he gives them to us. Furthermore, it seems that the Holy Spirit directed the apostle not to give the indication that the Israelites ate spiritual bread because Jesus Christ described himself as the bread from heaven. In, for, his, for example, in John chapter 6, verses 48 through 51. John chapter 6, verses 48 through 51. It reads, John chapter 6, verse 48 reads, I am the bread of life. That's Jesus Christ speaking. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now this bread is my flesh, which I give, which I will give for the life of the world. Now hence, the Holy Spirit wanted us to think of only one true bread from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems that the Holy Spirit directed the apostle to use the word food instead of bread that we read in Exodus because the food Israel ate in the desert was first described as bread of angels. Bread of angels. In Psalms 78 verses 24 through 25. Psalms, and hold on to Psalms, Psalm 78, verses 24 and 25. Psalms 78, verses 24 and 25, he reads, He ran down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. Then, the food then is also described as bread of heaven. Bread of heaven. As we can get up from Psalms 105 verse 40. Psalms 105 verse 40. 
Psalms 105 verse 40 reads, They asked, and he brought them quail, and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. The bread of heaven. Now the use of the word bread in these two passages in Psalms gives the impression that Israelites ate bread that came directly from heaven. Now to complicate things, the Septuagint translated the word bread that we find uh, in these two uh, passages in Psalms with a Greek word that Apostle Paul used later in verse 16 of this First Corinthians chapter 10 that is also used in Jesus' assertion that he is the bread from heaven. Now the Greek word used may mean bread as uh, a baked product from grain. However, the same Greek word may mean food in the sense of any kind of uh, food or nourishment that is the sense that the word, of course, nourishment of the body, that the Greek word is used by Apostle Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8. It is, nor did we eat any man's food. That's a, the word food here is translated from the Greek word that's also used in quotation of those Psalms, atos, atos, that means bread or food. So we did not eat any man's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we walked night and day laboring and toiling so that we will not be a burden to any of you. Now since Apostle Paul used the Greek word that, mean, that may also mean bread, even though it's more often translated food uh, in his epistle here to the Thessalonians, so he knew that the word could mean food, but he did not use it in describing what the Israelites ate in the desert. See, he knew there are a word you can use that means bread. It also mean food. But he didn't use it. He chose another word that really means food. So, again, it is because the Holy Spirit guided him to use a word that refers to food in a general sense to avoid implying that what God sent directly to Israel in the desert is already made food in the form of bread. So interestingly, the word bread that was used in the psalm that's translated with the Greek word athos in the Septuagint, which is where most time the New Testament writers quote from the Septuagint. Now, the Hebrew word used that translated bread has the basic meaning of food or stable. And it is probably because baked bread was the staple food of most meals among the ancient Hebrew people that the Hebrew word 
idiomatically denotes bread. Lachem, lachem. The word may mean, the Hebrew word actually may mean grain. Even though we see it translated bread, it can mean grain as it is used in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 28. Isaiah 28. Verse 28. It is grain must be ground to make bread. So one does not go on threshing it forever. Though he drives the wheels of his threshing cart over it, his horses do not grind it. Of course, here the uh, sentence of Isaiah 28, verse 28, when it says, Grain must be ground to make bread. Now, the word bread doesn't really appear because the Hebrew literally reads, Grain, our Hebrew word, lechem, is translated grain here. So, uh, grain is crushed fine. That's all the, the uh, Hebrew reads. Grain is crushed fine. Thus, it is better then to recognize that what God gave Israel from heaven is food for their sustenance and not bread. He didn't give them bread. He gave them food. That food that we have seen can be prepared through baking or through cooking. In other words, I perceive that you know, they make bread some like uh, pancake and all that. But then they, it is like uh, your oatmeal. Something, I, I would think that's the way they did that. That, that makes why it makes sense of boiling, whatever that they had. So, really, there can only be one true bread from heaven. That's what we argue. There can only be one true bread from heaven. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. We argue, and that's why the Apostle Paul avoided Using a word that will mean bread. In the sense of ready-made food. That he purposely chose a Greek word prova. In order to show that he is thinking of something different. That could not be compared to what the Lord Jesus Christ said. That he is a bread from heaven. So anyway, my point then is simply that the Holy Spirit directed the apostle to use the phrase spiritual food to distinguish what Israel ate in a literal sense from the true bread of God that came down from heaven. Christ said he is the true bread. He came down from heaven. You eat him, you're going to live forever. Because uh, in the context there, if you read it, when people had it, they were so offended. What does this man mean? How are we going to eat his flesh and, and live forever? But he's describing himself because bread is that which sustains life. The, so the Hebrew people, the ancient world around that area, they, they had a great respect for bread. That's why they don't cut bread with knives. They never do that. They, all they do is use hand. 
They don't cut. I mean, they just uh, you just don't cut life. So they had such a great respect for bread. So when the Lord said, "I am bread from heaven," when they got the attention, what do you mean? Something that they revered, and now not only that, you say, "You are that bread that from heaven that if anyone is, is going to live forever." So Paul is uh, in, in in keeping with our Lord's claim, avoided anything. That will mean that the spiritual food here will give the idea, if you, if you use the word, that most use in the Septuagint to report what happened in Exodus, he would have used the word at all. But he did not. So there is a reason for it. The Holy Spirit clearly directed him so that he was making distinction. When he said spiritual food, he wasn't talking about uh, Jesus Christ, so to say, rather, he's talking about the manna that Israel received. So anyway, under the leadership of Moses, God provided Israel the food called manna. They ate for 40 years in the desert. Now, as I said, eventually by the grace of God, time comes, we, we're going to look into all that and see what it is that God gave them the same food for 40 years. And of course, some of them were bored about it. Yet, we know that God's provision is perfect. And so, he provided them everything their body needed. To, you know, food that sustained their body. Just simple food that he gave them. And that is what uh, the Holy Spirit is focusing here. To cause us to realize that yes... God sustained them while they were in the desert for 40 years. But the food that he sustained them with is something uh, we, we can't really know what it is today, uh, except for the description that we will look at coriander seed and so forth. Anyway, in any case, it is true then that under the leadership of Moses, God provided food that we call manna for Israel for 40 years. In any case, human sustenance involves not only food in a solid form, but also to quench thirst. Human sustenance, not only food, but something to quench our thirst. Therefore, under the leadership of Moses, the Lord provided Israel drink. Now, because we're going to see the drink is water. I know a whole lot of people today don't like drinking water. And that's why you're a lot of sick people. Because we're loading our bodies with sugar instead of water. That's what God provided Israel. I'm not saying don't drink. I'm not saying don't drink. It's just that here's the thing that a whole lot of us are making us sick by not living according to Bible standards. I know this is a test with, I understand that. But we need to do a whole lot of drinking of water. If the, the Lord wanted something else to sustain Israel, He would have given it to them. He can do that. But He gave them what their body needs more than anything. So, in any case, I am contending that you need solid food. At the same time, you need some liquid. With liquid, it's mostly water. I mean, it doesn't make it or drink or that. They just. The majority of what you should drink is water. 
Therefore, under the leadership of Moses, the Lord provided Israel drink. Now it is this that is described in the verbal phrase of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. That we're starting. Look at what it says again. It says, and drank the same spiritual drink. The same spiritual drink. Now the action of Israel is simply described with the word drank. That is translated from a Greek word that literally means to drink. That is to take it in liquid as it is used in the partaking of the Lord's Supper in, as recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28. It reads, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Now the word, the Greek word is used in connection with a cup leading to the expression to drink the cup, to drink the cup. That actually means to submit to a severe trial or it can even mean to submit Submit to death, as it is used by the Lord Jesus in his response to the request of the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, as recorded in Matthew chapter 20, verse 22. The background of this is our. Uh, the mother of James and John, having seen what's been going on with Jesus Christ, and was convinced he's the Messiah. I believe that because otherwise she would not have made her request. And you know, and that's nothing wrong with what I'm going to say now. Every mother wants the best for the child. And that's right, that's correct. You should want the best for your children. And that's why. Uh, she taught her, I said, well, when you come, let one be on your right and let one be on your left. Now, these are positions of, in the ancient world, right and left have different significance if you're in a banquet. And the guest of honor is sitting in the center, the, who sits in the right and who sits in the left. He has a whole lot of meaning. And that's why she made a request. And here is the way the Lord responded to her. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. He said here, to drink a cup here means, Are you going to be subjected to the kind of death that I'm about to go through? Of course, they didn't really know what he said. He said, Yes, we will. Now, the Hebrew word may also mean to absorb. Or to soak, to soak up, absorb, or to soak up, as the word is used in the imagery with the earth in Hebrews chapter six, verse seven. 
Hebrews chapter 6 verse 7 It is land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. Now here the land, when it says land drinks, it simply means the land absorbs or soaks up the rain. It's not drinking in the sense that humans will uh, do the same, but it's a way to say the land absorbs or soaks up the rain. Anyway, really it is in the sense of to drink, that is again to take liquids by the mouth, that the word is used in its two occurrences in our passage of First Corinthians 10 verse 4. Now the first occurrence of the word in uh, the verbal phrase drank the same spiritual drink. Look at that. Drank the same spiritual drink. It's used though either to present a fact that occurred with the Israelites in the desert or to summarize the event of drinking of water from a source that is mentioned in the verse. Now this is because the apostle used a different Greek tense. See, these are things that help us to be able to interpret the Bible. Because uh, in English many times we may not see these tenses uh, easily over there anyway. Because some, some of it is difficult to translate uh, in the English. So for example, the one used here is what they call the aorist uh, in the Greek, which talks about something that is momentous or something that happens at an instant without telling us which way it goes up and down. As I uh, tell you they use the word aorist tense and I said the best way to describe it is it's something that speaks to something that happens at the moment and no, nothing else without any other thing you don't know what you have and uh, the way I normally describe it is if you jump up and somebody take a snapshot of you you are hanging in the air that's all it says it doesn't say whether you continue up or whether you come down there are other things to help because gravity we know you have to come down right but the Greek just captures you at that instant. That's what is called an Eros tense. So that is what is used in our past, uh, the first usage of the Greek word. That's why we say it could mean either a fact of something that happened or that is summarized. So the apostle is concerned not with every act of drinking of water by the Israelites in the desert, but with that that comes from a unique source. He wasn't he was not interested in talking about all the drinking of water. He was talking about a specific case. It is because of the unique source that the water they drank was then described as spiritual drink. Because it comes from a unique source. 
You see, the Lord provided water to Israel in the desert, so they had water to drink. That Israel had water to drink during uh, their travels is implied by the Lord healing an existing water source through his instruction to Moses to make it drinkable for or by the Israelites as described in Exodus chapter 15 verses 23 through 25. Now what we are arguing is that Moses was talking about something specific. He's talking about something very specific. Now, although we uh, know that uh, Israel had a lot of water. All those 40 years they drank water, no doubt. But yes, we're looking at something specific. That that was the uh, thing that was the Holy Spirit brought in the mind of the apostle. Nonetheless, to prove that this was the case, that they had they drank water several other times. Uh, we'll pick up this incident in, uh, recorded here in Exodus 15, beginning of verse 23. It reads, When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree, and the Lord for them, and there he tested them. Now, of course, uh, making water sweet doesn't mean sweet drink. All it means it becomes uh, drinkable. Instead of, it had a bitter taste to it, now it became something drinkable. So, there should be no doubt then that the Lord provided water to Israel all other times through the way when they are going through in the desert. But, what the apostle described with the phrase uh, spiritual drink is concerned with unique source that involved miraculous display of God's power. Hence, the water is described as spiritual drink. Now to help us understand that the apostles use of the phrase spiritual drink is concerned with special provision of water for Israel in the desert from a unique source. The apostle then provided an elaborate explanation or an elaboration of what he meant by spiritual drink or his reason for describing the water from a unique source as spiritual. So he said they drank spiritual drink. Now we say this because the apostle really began the second clause of First Corinthians 10 4 with the word for. For. 
Now that word for is translated from a Greek conjunction that is used here to explain or provide the basis for describing the water of Israel or that Israel drank from a special source as spiritual. Now the reason the water Israel drank from a special source is described as spiritual is because the water was provided from a rock in a miraculous display of God's power. It is for this reason, or really, it is this reason or explanation that is then given in the second clause of First Corinthians 10 for that we study. Look at what it reads. They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. Now, as we indicated previously, the word drank of the NIV is translated from a different Greek tense than the first usage of the Greek word translated drank. See, this second time, the apostle used an imperfect tense in the Greek when he does. Uh, translated uh, they drank in the NIV well to be more literal to what the imperfect tense means in the Greek when it said they drank it will literally be translated this way they were drinking they were drinking that means he's describing what was going on on and on through the time they were in the desert they were drinking it's not they drank, they were drinking. To show us there's a difference between the one they said they drank from a rock and that they were drinking. There's a, a, a difference. That's what the Holy Spirit wanted us uh, to see because of those two different tenses. Now these are things that have meaning that many times in English we will not pay much attention. But one is to show that something unique. And the other one says something that just took a, uh, they kept happening all the time they were in the desert. Hence, so, the apostle, when using the literal uh, uh, translation they were drinking, the apostle was probably thinking in terms of having used the arrows before, he was thinking of two specific occasions in which the Israelite in the deserts where the Lord provided water to them miraculously through a specific rock. Now the first occasion where God provided Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, provided them water from a rock miraculously is after they camped at a place called Rephidim. Rephidim, that we'll get to um, very shortly. Now the whole thing is narrated in Exodus chapter 17 verses 1 through 7. Exodus chapter 17 verses 1 through 7. It is the whole Israelite community 
set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to test? But the people were thirsty for water. There and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what can I do with these people? What am they are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. And take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock. And water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled with him, I mean, the quarrel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So that's the first case. We say there are Two incidents or two occasions in which rock, water came out from rock in, in a miraculous way to uh, meet them. And, and so this is the first one. The second occasion was when they camped in Kadesh as described in Numbers chapter 20 verses 1 through 11. However, looking at time, it's time for a break, and uh, after the Lord's Supper, we'll come back and pick it up. Uh, so, please pick up your elements during the break.